0: Welcome to The Man for Texas, Episode 4, Immigrants and Indians. I'm Brandon Seal. José Francisco Ruiz's break in the Mexican army came from a young, wunderkind general who, unlike so many other Mexican general officers, had actually fought on the side of independence. General Manuel de Mier y Terran had risen through the revolutionary ranks and become a 34-year-old brigadier general in newly independent Mexico. Eventually heading the Mexican Artillery Academy until his appointment in 1827 to lead a scientific and military expedition to Texas. The expedition was part Lewis and Clark, part census-taking, and part alliance-making. Since independence, East Texas had begun to fill up with the Indians being pushed out of the United States, and ironically, also with some of the same Anglo-Americans who were doing the pushing out. As many as 10,000 immigrant Indians descended into Texas in that decade, Hickapoos, Alabamas, Cushadas, Delawares, Shawnees, Cherokees, and more. To the extent that these newcomers could be integrated into the Mexican economy and accepted by long-term residents like the Lipanes and the Comanches, it voted well for the economy of the region, which had always been driven by trade with Native America. For the same reason that he was open to new Indian immigrants, Ruiz and many of his Tejano allies were in favor of these new Anglo immigrants. Not just because he had lived amongst them for many years in his decade of exile after the Battle of Medina, during which he had fought and bled alongside them, in fact, but because these Anglos brought capital and access to the American economic juggernaut. Mier y was much more alarmed than Ruiz by the growing Anglo-American population, particularly by their lack of assimilation into Mexican society and their almost total lack of appreciation that they were actually in another country his reports back to Mexico City would lead directly to the law of April 6, 1830, which forbade any new Anglo immigration into the state. There was no possible better man to implement this new law, but also to manage these dual waves of immigration, than 47-year-old José Francisco Ruiz. And he got the opportunity. His familiarity, even fame, amongst the native Texans now preceded him, and even newcomer Shawnees, Soon heard about a Tejano captain in San Antonio they needed to go see, quote, good man, no lie, and a good friend to the Indians, Ruiz, end quote. On June 25th, 1830, Ruiz led the old Alamo Company, out of the Alamo and out of San Antonio, to go found a new post on the Brazos River, a new capital for Texas, not far from modern day College Station. The new settlement was to be called Tenochtitlan, named after the old Aztec capital, a not at all subtle attempt. To reaffirm Texas's Mexican identity. Its location, smack in the middle of East Texas, would allow Mexican authorities to better monitor the new immigrant Indians and to stem the flow of now illegal Anglo immigration.
1: Mexico had a very unique uh, conclusion to its fight for independence. Uh, Many of the uh, royalist uh, officers. Who had been resisting independence uh, ultimately saw the inevitable and, in an effort to maintain a conservative order, changed sides. Reese himself was in the middle of his Comanche diplomacy when that happened. He's given as part of his pardon and as part of his Comanche expedition, he's given a, a military commission again. he's thrust into a situation where he's serving alongside. The people that he has been fighting for the last, you know, eight years, fighting with great effect, and so there is an obvious uh, tension there, a uh, reluctance by these Mexican officers to give him assignments. He finds it very frustrating. He 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 sends off a series of letters to his commanders, even to the president uh, of, of the Mexican Republic, uh, asking for an assignment,
0: asking for a command. The posting that Tenochtitlan was Ruiz's time to shine. However. It required the exact skills that he had. It needed a motivated administrator. It needed a diplomat with contacts in the native world. And it needed an established local, comfortable dealing with the new Anglo immigrants under Stephen F. Austin and others. Ruiz proved to be all three. And yet the job almost killed him. Here's a letter from October 30th, 1830, just four months into the posting. Quote, Ah, my friend, if you could but examine my heart, What sad ideas you would find in it. I no longer desire any power at all. I no longer aspire to anything, except to devote my last days to silence. If only I could recover the tranquility which my spirit has lost. Patience, and let us leave it to time, for perhaps nature will bring things back into order." Despite what he'd been told, and despite even the government's grand ambitions for what this new posting in Tenochtitlan should be, Ruiz got virtually no support from the central government. The bureaucracy
1: and the inefficiency of the Mexican Republic becomes very plain and obvious very quickly. It's a very difficult assignment. Uh, There's no infrastructure whatsoever. There's large delays in approval of the architectural design of the fort. Supplies, uh, reinforcements, all are lacking. Uh, And Reese eventually... Uh, has to lean heavily upon uh, Austin for supplies, for reinforcements, for assistance, uh, and even for uh, personal uh, communications. Uh, at one point, uh, Austin sends Ruiz a, a package of coffee and pandulce and say, "Hey, but hey, brother,
0: you know, <laughs> stick it out." The experience, ironically, probably helped to strengthen his relationship with Austin and other Anglo immigrants. But again, to repeat this point, but I mean it literally this time. The job was killing him.
1: Ruiz catches an illness, which is one of the mysterious um, things we kind of discuss in the book. Has outbreaks over his whole body, of a rash at some point, and he gets pretty desperate in his physical condition as well. It's very cold. Ruiz, I would say, very much his correspondence gets very dark and shown elements of despair.
0: Tenochtitlan should have been a career capstone for the 47-year-old Ruiz an independent command, founding a new city, living on the edge of the frontier on which he had made his name. Instead, it shattered his faith in the prospects of the young Mexican Republic. And eventually, he'd had enough.
1: There are uprisings in in, in Anahuac and other places where he's ordered to march to. He flat out refuses, uh, and he abandons the project. He, he ultimately says, I'm going to march back to San Antonio, and you can do you can do with it what you will.
0: Ruiz wasn't the only one feeling the discontent. In January of 1832, Santa Ana issued his Plan de Veracruz and pronounced, as a Federalist, against Centralist President Anastasio Bustamante. Being a lifelong resident of the distant frontier and being an avowed Republican in his younger years, it's no surprise that Ruiz's sympathies aligned with Santa Ana the Federalist. Initially, Ruiz's main contribution to the turmoil starting to ripple through Mexico was just avoiding sending troops to put down the disturbance in Anahuac in June 1832, led in part by a young William Barrett Travis, incidentally. But soon, Ruiz was conspiring to desert his long-sought post in Tenochtitlan and return to San Antonio to be a part of Santa Ana's movement. The Centralist administration had given him a good pretense for deserting in the end. His men weren't being paid. He hadn't been paid for most of his time there at all. Ruiz managed to make his way to San Antonio by September, and on September 14, 1832, for the second time in his life, and after much deliberation, he pronounced himself in revolt against his government. On the next episode of The Man for Texas. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Art Martinez de Vara for joining us on this episode, and go check out his book about José Francisco Ruiz called Tejano Patriot. You should also go buy the audiobook, read by me, under the same name, Tejano Patriot, and available wherever you buy your audiobooks. For more information about Art and his projects, go check out artmartinezdevara.com. And for more information on my projects and past podcasts, you can go to brandonseal.com.